Well, one theme we continue to return to in our discussions is the importance of making money. Now, that seems obvious, really, but sometimes innovation and technology can get a bit too far ahead of themselves and lose sight of how a business is making money or saving it. Hello, Matthew Grant here, partner at Instate London, and thanks for joining me wherever you are in the world, whatever time of day it is, and whatever you are doing. Now, claims is a vital part of insurance, but sometimes it feels as though it has a life of its own and doesn't always get the attention it deserves. After a bit of a slow start for InsurTech, it is now proving to be a popular model for successfully growing claims business, though, as we've seen from recent investment in companies such as Shift, Tractable, and Frisk, with more to come soon, we expect. Now, that shouldn't really be a surprise. It's an area with lots of opportunities for automation and improving the customer experience. And importantly, a pound or dollar saved in the claims process goes straight to improving the bottom line. This week, I am bringing you the edited highlights from an event we ran recently with Ed Gaze, who runs the Lloyds Lab, and Colin Mason, head of complex claims at Beasley and a member of the London Market Claims Design Group. More about what that means shortly. Finding new ways to manage complex claims is important for Lloyds and specialty insurers everywhere. You're going to hear from four companies that are building claim solutions, Tortona, Distribind, Safekeep and Settled Index all have been through the Lloyds Lab recently. Now, again, again, there is a lot to learn in here. If you are interested in taking part in the Lloyds Lab, you're going to hear how that operates and what the experience has been like for companies taking part. If you yourself are building or are partnering with companies that are looking for smart new ways to build on their own personal experience, access to technology, and more importantly, have a clear way to make or save money for your clients yourselves, then you are bound to get some inspiration from our guests. Now, most of this was recorded at the event a few weeks ago. Sound quality is a bit scratchy in some places, but it should still be fairly easy to listen to. Thanks, Pete, for sorting that out. And of course, as usual, you can read the write-up on our webpage. I kicked off by asking Ed Gaze to explain what Lies is and what is happening in the lab. Lloyd's is a historic, interesting place where people come to get specialty risks insured. It's not actually an insurance company, which a lot of people think. Um, it's actually a, a, a market of over 50 insurers. Um, and that's actually pretty good for us in the lab because it means people like John and, and the teams have got over 50 potential customers that they can come to uh, when they're working in the lab. So it's a, a historic place where lots of uh, interesting business gets done. And we're in the heart of it with the Lloyd's Lab. You're now on cohort six. We're going to see three of your cohort team and they kind of made it to the top of the list. There's 177 applications, I believe, you had, and you ended up with 11. So well, congratulations to them. We can talk a bit more about this. But again, can you just talk very briefly about what is the goal of the lab and for anybody who's listening to sort of decide if they should apply for it or not? What do you say to people to encourage them to talk to you? The purpose in the lab is to bring in short tech from around the world into the Lloyd's market so they can experiment with the market, they can try new ideas, and ultimately contribute towards the modernization of Lloyd's. We want people who are going to come and do, you know, create new insurance products or people that are going to come and make the existing way we work more efficient. So if you think you're doing anything like that, um, then, you know, come and talk to us. We're interested. I strongly recommend it. I've spoken to many of people who've been on it and they're all very enthusiastic. So congratulations with that. You don't charge, do you, for people coming on to the, the lab? No money, no equity changes hands. So to some extent, claims looks like for a while this whole insurtech investment space, it got left behind. I mean, there have been a few companies that have had a decent sized investment. Uh, Willis insurtech report, I think six months ago, reported about 18% went into claims. But 
it's been interesting to see that as part of the future at Lloyd's and Blueprint too, yeah, claims is very much part of that. Can you sort of talk a little bit about, you know, what led that to being part of the lab? And then we'll hear a bit more from you, Colin, about you know, what you're doing in that area specifically. It was Colin and some of his team that came to us late last year and said, uh, hey, guys, we want to we want to find insurtechs that can help us with claims at the future at Lloyd's. Can you help? There's just so much to do in the claim space. There's so many opportunities and it really fits. It's a massive chunk of what the Blueprint 2 looks at in future at Lloyd's. So kind of all these things came together really well. And uh, as a result, we've got three awesome teams working with us right now. Great. And so, Colin, just uh, very interested to hear what the future at Lloyd's claims design group. And I think it's the last time I'm going to say that whole mouthful does. Uh, when we spoke before, though, what was really interesting to me was the two angles to it. One was really helping the Lloyd's companies or insurers get a kind of central place to find the best technology rather than to go out and look for it themselves, and then also a platform around around that. So it'd be helpful, just first of all, you know, what does the design group do? And then we can talk a little bit more about some of the challenges that you're trying to overcome through the lab and other things. The claims design group really is a, a group of claims professionals principally from across the market, both Lloyd's and company market carriers as well as brokers that are trying their best to move from Blueprint 1 through to Blueprint 2 and um, and the implementation that needs to now happen on, on the back of that. So what we've really been doing is testing all of the ideas and the strategic thinking and turning it into how do we turn this into, into reality. Can you sort of talk about some of the challenges? I mean, I've alluded to one of them, which is you know, it's hard sometimes for individual organisations to find the partners, and particularly when you're dealing with complex risk. But... Can you sort of dig into that a little bit more and explain to people who aren't familiar with the kind of claims you might be seeing as to you know, what the challenges are and therefore what, what you're collectively looking for solutions to uh, help with that? So within the Lloyd's market, there are some 50 plus uh, managing agents, all of whom concentrate on different things. So you know, Lloyd's is a place to do the most complex risk in the world right the way through to the, the smallest uh, risks as well. So. It's the variety and diversity within that that creates almost the complexity of how do we manage to handle all of that on a, on a platform that's efficient um, and can get everything done. One of the things about the subscription market is it's often not just one person making a decision. So information has to flow, has to flow for efficiency purposes quite quickly, um, and it needs to be in the hands of the right people to make the decisions so that things can can, can be done efficiently and, and get the decisions made that, that need to happen. That can be something from an oil platform collapsing into the sea to somebody having lost a diamond ring on their householder's policy. So that's the kind of broad variety that we're talking about. Obviously, all of those things require different solutions. Colin, can you just give some examples of the types of losses, either kind of historic losses or as you to look going forward, lines of business and you know, this is very different than trying to handle someone's roof being blown off or their their car being damaged in terms of the complex claims isn't it well it is and that's been part of the challenge so you know one of the things about um, the technology solutions that we that we look at is it's really exciting to me to see that um, windscreen claims can be automated and, and paid automatically but it doesn't actually provide me with a solution uh, to what I need to do, which is sorting out a hurricane loss on a Caribbean island, for example, um, or a kidnap and ransom claim on a vessel off the coast of Nigeria. And that's the type of things that we're talking about. So within the Lloyd's market, you have a variety of, of issues. So there are undoubtedly claims at the lower end or even the higher end 
uh, where the decision making is quite simple and it's quite binary and those things can be automated. But amongst the rest of it, what we need is for people to be enabled with the right technology and the right information to make their lives easier. So when I'm dealing with a complex loss of that nature, it's packaged up in a way that makes the whole process smoother. Uh, so rather than a claims manager sitting at their desk having to search around for information about the policy, whether the premium has been paid, who the experts are that they need to use, all of that comes along with a package of information about the claim in a way that enables them to use their expertise, which is effectively what it's all about, to, to get that done in a more efficient way so that the clients benefit from that at the end of the day. And, and the design group is actually, you're identifying, in addition to what's happening with the lab, you're identifying the providers and you're helping get them in front of the different Lloyd's managing agents to to work with them. Is that, is that right? Yeah, so that's one of the, the main purposes of the of the lab. So this is why I went to Ed and, and said, look, is, what is it that you can do to help? So what I see in the future is whilst... Obviously, a lot of the blueprint is about delivering a future model, which will be about platforms. It will be about the services that can be provided to the market. All of that's never a steady state, and it can't be a steady state. And it frustrates me that a lot of technology projects are seen that way. It becomes about implementation and delivery, and then that's job done. Well, actually, for me, it's about innovation for the future and how we make that a, a live part of what we do so that it's constant improvement. We've seen some interesting examples of people where they're not trying to solve the whole problem at once. They're sort of finding ways to plug into the existing workflow. I'm sure we're going to hear some of the others today talking about how they do that. Is there anything, Colin, specifically around data or analytics that you're already starting to see it's going to help you in that sort of dynamic, practical, you know, ongoing innovation way for, as part of your remit? There are three fundamental things that, are, that matter when it comes to claims and will matter when it comes to claims in the future. One of it is, is data, the other is technology, and, and the other aspect of it is, is people. And those three things have to be best in breed in order to get the most optimum outcome. Um, and what we have struggled with uh, within the Lloyd's market is making sure that the, the, the data is um, packaged up in a way that it allows us to feed that through the system to create efficiency at the end of the day. So that's kind of where we need to start. So without looking at data and how it gets um, gets inputted, how we source it, how we um, enrich it so that it helps people to be able to see what it is that they're dealing with, use the technology that we can put in place to help them make those decisions, then we don't get very far. So you have to start with making sure that the data sources are, are the, the best that they can be. Ed, can you just say a few words about who, is, who we're hearing from today and and why I know you personally don't decide who gets into the lab. You've got a process for doing that. But, you know, why do you think that the voters voted them onto the island of, of the lab? As you said, we had 177 apply that time. And we have like four key steps to go through. Uh, we do scoring, we long list, short list and then pitch day. So um, we, there's, you know, 177. We don't want to miss a gem in, in all those. So we kind of we, we score them. And that's not just us in the lab. That's also people in the market help us score them. Those scores help us select the top 60 teams. And then we uh, we have a series of workshops we go through to pick then the shortlist for pitch day. And um, pitch day is when they get to, you know, give a five minute pitch on what they do, answer some questions. And the market, again, will be there to vote. And it's the market's votes that determine who makes it in. And so, I mean, based on the way the process works, I can't, as you said, I don't 
control who who makes it in. Um, I'm in the process, but I don't control it. And so I can't really say why people make it in and why these teams have made it in. But I will say that, you know, there's um, what they're doing that is solving real problems that the market has and, and it is facing. Um, we sometimes see people apply with the technology and say we can solve everything. And solving everything doesn't solve this specific problem the audience are looking to be solved. And it's a big audience. Is that there's, there's a lot of problems in, in the Lloyd's market. So pick, pick something that you're going to be good at. Pick something you can solve and, and convince the audience that you're going to actually make this part of their life better. So for these claims teams, it's, it's all about sh- proving that they understand the problems that Lloyd's is facing and the market is facing. They understand the customer and they have a solution that can address that. And it might not be that the solution is is absolutely perfect for Lloyd's at the moment. That might be why they want to come to the lab to make it good for Lloyd's. They want to adapt some technology they've got in another in another world and say, look, we think this would be amazing for for Lloyd's in this use case. Then that's great. That's what we want. We love finding new solutions which aren't already in insurance. But you have to be coming and solving a problem and you have to prove to the audience that you're the one that can solve it and solve it well. Colin, anything else you want to add, just picking up on the discussion we had or what Ed's been saying before we start to turn over to our companies? No, other than to say this is the first time I've gone through the selection process for, for the lab with, with Ed, and it was absolutely fascinating, incredibly robust, very fast-paced, um, super interesting to hear from uh, from everybody, not just the, the people that have been selected to go in, in, in the cohort. So there are a lot of ideas out there. What's refreshing most refreshing is when somebody comes to us having thought about a genuine problem that the Lloyd's market faces and try to solve that problem as opposed to pitching the, their own ideas, which you know might not fit with it exactly with it, what it is that we need. First up was John Hosworth, CEO of Tortona. John is based in South Africa, but Tortona are operating globally and we're in the Lloyd's lab in 2019. John, uh, we're going to looking forward to hearing from you and how you got on in the last two years since you're on the lab, a real you know, good test of uh, you know, how well it's going. Uh, so your, I think your website describes you as an intelligent automation company, and I know that you're also doing straight through processing, but can you just sort of unpack that a little bit and what you're doing related to claims and um, anything else you think is useful for us to know about? Intelligent automation means that we're using artificial intelligence to automate tasks that have historically required human judgment uh, and perception. So um, automating simple policy terms and conditions is relatively straightforward. You know, for example, are the premiums up to date? Did the loss occur during the policy period? However, deciding coverage for a a complex claim uh, is a much more substantial task. You know, that involves what caused the loss, uh, applying uh, proximate cause doctrine, what was damaged or who has been injured and if there's coverage for the loss. Um, you know, uh, in, in that regard, uh, property insurance policies consist of multiple policy forms. A single policy form can contain up to 25 individual policy forms and endorsements, you know, with hundreds of clauses and combinations depending on the, uh, the circumstances of the claim. Uh, what we've done at Tatona, working with Atrium and working with Lloyd's, is we've converted all those physical documents you know, into a machine-readable format uh, and using a combination of machine learning and natural language processing, which I'll talk about a bit later on. Uh, we can analyze that policy wording in real time and determine coverage you know, with limited human involvement. You know, that is what intelligent automation is. 
No, thanks. I just want to come back specifically to something you mentioned there in passing, but it's quite important. You said you would, like, let me close back to you. You'd, you'd taken all of the claims documentation and you'd now made that part of the process you can automate. I mean, there are a huge amount and often non-standardized ways of claims information that comes into the market. So is it is it that you've actually now you've solved all the complexity You've, you've standardized the ones that are standard and then for the ones that aren't standard, you also have a solution for doing it. Or can you just explain a little bit more about you know, what it actually means to have done that at that scale? There's no claim automation company that can automate 100% of claims. Uh, so you're always going to refer a percentage of claims, somewhere between 20 and 25%. So what you want to be able to do is to triage a claim and automate those claims end-to-end using straight-through processing that are relatively simple and straightforward. And that is generally somewhere between 75 and 80% of claims. And then for, you know, complex claims that require, you know, um, uh, human involvement, you would refer those effectively for, for human involvement. But having said that, you know, dealing with Lloyd's and even dealing with relatively simple claims, you know, you are still, you know, in the general sense of the word, dealing with relatively co- complex claims. So, you know, without using artificial intelligence, you're never going to be able to automate these claims. And you have to have in your toolkit computer vision, you know, machine learning, deep learning, natural language processing, natural language understanding, and a whole range of, of technologies to, to, to achieve that. And you're talking just from Johannesburg just now. Uh, you probably were here physically where you for part of the original cohort, but, but I think you're working with companies outside of Lloyd's. So you've actually already got you've got real customers who are hopefully are paying you real money to sort of validate this in addition to uh, to Atrium and Lloyd's itself you mentioned. Yes, that's correct. Participating in the in the lab was probably the most consequential event you know in our company's uh, history. Um, you know, we were presented with solving a what was perceived at the time you know, what was an impossible uh, problem, you know, and that is something that every startup wants. Uh, we were able to do that. And what that now has done is opened up the entire claims property automation market for us globally. So we've got POCs in uh, London. Uh, we've got POCs in the U.S. and we've got POCs in, in Canada with, with a range of, of operators, uh, managing agents, um, third-party administrators, some very, very large third-party administrators and and various carriers. And if it wasn't for the lab, you know, we would not have had that opportunity. We are where we are today simply because of our participation in the lab. Great. Well, well done there. So POC, for those not familiar, is is proof of concept. And, John, this is not your first company. You've already got us. I mean, you've got a track record of launching and selling successful companies in the background, which is, you know, so often we see this for people who've done that before, the speed you can move. Is is so fast, and that yeah, I think it speaks to those those uh, POCs and clients you've got out there. Uh, you did want to say you did want to talk to us a bit about your machine learning and some of the uh, intelligent AI in there. Do you want to dig into the tech a little bit? We've developed an AI-powered claims automation system uh, for the property line of business that thinks and acts um, like an experienced insurance professional. So for standard claims, the application handles the the claims process from first uh, notice of loss all the way through to property inspection with with minimal human involvement. It also assigns claims it's not authorised to settle or um, ones where a a concern is identified. 
human claim experts, you know, based on, on expertise and workload. And even where human escalation is needed, you know, our claim adjuster bot will have done much, much of the heavy lifting. So, you know, Matthew, by harnessing AI at the beginning of the claims process, you know, we accelerate every part of it, creating efficiencies, you know, for the insurer or the managing agent, you know, or the TPA, and very importantly, greater clarity for the policyholder. If somebody wants to work with you, where are things on the spectrum between they've got to totally redesign a process versus they just plug and play Tortona into the current workflow and they can sort of make a change easily? Yeah, that's a really important point. I mean, I think there are few carriers globally who haven't started their claims journey and who haven't implemented parts, you know, of that claim automation process. What we're looking to do is to add value to your existing investments. And, you know, our sweet spot is around, you know, automating policy coverage analysis specifically for for property claims. I mean, this is really the heart of property claims processing. If you want to achieve, you know, straight through uh, processing, then you need to be able to identify the proximate cause. Uh, you need to be able to understand what was damaged uh, and you need to be able to determine coverage and you need to be able to use a whole basket of AI technology to do that. Clearly, you know, um, we want to try and take advantage of that position. The Lloyd's uh, ecosystem is complicated. So the more reading, research, preparation you can do to familiarize yourself with, with the various role players, the better. Um, you know, choose a good mentor, you know, to run the lab process with. Uh, you need a committed partner willing to offer their time in order for you to, to succeed. Uh, also, very important, getting access to information within Lloyd's, you know, can be challenging. Uh, therefore, once you've decided who you'll be working with, sign an NDA as soon as possible. Um, you know, that uh, managing agent will be your best source of, of info. Um, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Less is more. Try and limit scope. Uh, building a meaningful POC in nine weeks is a big task. Uh, also, keep an eye on demo day. Um, it comes quickly. Uh, and this is the culmination that will determine showcase, you know, your success. Uh, last but not least, have lots of fun because we certainly did. Well, I think I counted about 10 bits of advice in there from John. Thank you very much, John, for that. But no need to pause and write those down. You can refer back to our write-up of the event in the episode notes or on our website to get those. Now, next up was Dave Connors, founders of Distribind. You're about to hear Dave talk about Bordero. He explains a bit more about what these are in a minute. But for now, just think of Bordero as a spreadsheet record. The TPA Dave refers to, that's a third-party administrator. And DCA stands for Delegated Claims Administrator, which is basically effectively how Lloyd's now refers to third-party administrators. Well, here's Dave. Our goal is quite simple, is that we think Bordero don't have to exist and they shouldn't exist. Uh, and we want to remove them and we can remove them, you know, if you have a digital either distribution in terms of the MGA or broker or um, for the claims digital TPA or DCA, um, we can receive data in real time. And we can pass that from distribution to capacity or from, you know, claims handling to capacity in, in near real time very, very quickly. Um, where Bordero can't be avoided, then we are able to process various types and formats of data without additional manipulation. So we, we take a very different approach to other Bordero solutions on the market. We don't build 
spreadsheet templates, border row maps that need to be remapped whenever there's variance that comes in. We treat variance as an engineering problem, not a data problem for the user to have to go and you know change the spreadsheet or change the map. Um, so, so really, it's all just about getting information through the chain, whether that is, is you know, as I say, distribution to capacity or claims handling to capacity, fast, automated, um, and allow people to actually uh, do high-value tasks. What are the errors? What are the issues? What things should somebody use their experience to look at rather than be spending 30, 40 minutes just trying to load a spreadsheet? My definition of Bordero still wasn't good enough for somebody because they've asked what's a Bordero. So perhaps maybe your definition might be more coherent than mine was. It is basically any record of the risks that have been written, the premium that has been paid or the claims that have been incurred that is passed through from, you know, the, from the agent selling the insurance policy to the uh, insurance company providing the actual kind of underwriting capacity. So this, this problem, I mean, I've been in this industry about 30 years and 30 years ago, I couldn't figure out why it was a problem. I mean, you think the technology is there. It's not that difficult. It's in everybody's interest ultimately to give, you know, I believe it is anyway, you know, better data more quickly. Why hasn't the market managed to be able to do something like this before? You know, basically connect directly into the cover holders, people writing the risks around the world and, and sending it back into Lloyd's. Well, what's the barrier? Because it sounds like it's not just technology. There is a clear technology barrier. And I think where, you know, there, there has probably been the odd one-to-one relationship where a, where a cover holder is plugged straight into the insurer and be able to give that data quickly, but there hasn't been any kind of central facility for doing that. And that has been for a lot of reasons. A cover holder or an MGA has a huge range from kind of what other insurtechs with you know, really good technology, digital technology, and you've got you know effectively one or two man mom and pop type stores as well. Um, and I think the biggest problem has been a, an, an idea of treating everyone the same. And the biggest barrier has been a one size fits all approach. And Distribine is very, very clear that we don't take that. So, you know, if you're, if you're an insurer, your digital cover holders could be sending you real time data straight away. Um, but your more traditional ones who might need to send you a spreadsheet, they can carry on sending you the spreadsheet. You won't have to change any part of the process um, and you can treat everyone the same in a single platform, single process. And it actually works the other way as well. The, you know, We can send transaction level, real-time data via API to the carriers if they want it. Some will, some won't, some won't be able to. We can send data to AS400s as well at the other end of the scale. Um, And I think moving away from a kind of one-size-fits-all, we must all have the common standard, this spreadsheet must look like this, um, to saying actually what we need is a really kind of flexible way of handling the data and treating even a spreadsheet or even a PDF as a representation of data rather than a particular shape of something that must fit for a whole the same shape um, is just a different way of doing it. And, and we, we, we've just taken a, a very different approach. How is it going in terms of actually both finding companies to work with in Lloyd's and mentors? And then, of course, it only works so if you've got somebody on the other end of the chain you know, who actually is prepared to share their data using Distribind. Have you now got some you know, real, real clients out there or some proof of concepts working? 
We're in implementation with uh, Portable, our first client, so that they will be kind of sending data to their capacity through a mix of uh, real-time exchange and, and us producing the border row that the carriers need uh, automatically, but they're going to be effectively do that with next to zero back office, so they're able to actually receive, you know, not just the, the members signing up, but the member payments um, and be able to kind of send that data straight away. Um, and then we're, we're hoping to go into implementation with another couple of uh, MGAs, including some slightly more established and bigger MGAs very shortly. In terms of kind of the carrier side, we have a few conversations going at more kind of POC level at the moment. Our third company is Safekeep, founded by Jeff Doe. Jeff joined the most recent cohort at Lloyd's to expand his AI tool to help with subrogation. What's that, you ask? Well, Jeff explains. So, Jeff, really looking forward to hearing from you. You are you provided an AI tool for subrogation that has vast amounts of money being saved. I'm very tempted to call in my partner, Robin Mertens, as a lawyer to get his definition of subrogation. But uh, luckily for him, we don't have time. And you had a good definition of it. So, first of all, uh, we should probably tell us what subrogation is for those that aren't familiar with insurance speak and then find out more about how things are going with uh, with Safekeeper. Sure, absolutely. So subrogation is the process by which third-party liability is identified in insurance claims. So, for example, when an accident happens and a claim has been paid on, say, a car accident, uh, the process of subrogation begins when the first-party carrier determines who was at fault. And if the other driver was liable, then they'll pursue the other carrier, send out a demand, um, and try to recoup losses that were paid out to the uh, first-party driver. In short, that's what subrogation is. So it's how do you now turn that application you know, process into uh, some technology and data and, and that can then perhaps you can tell us a bit about how that's saving money for, for I guess, insurers and also maybe even their policyholders as well? First, let's just try to understand what the problem of subrogation is. I mean, basically, it's a very time-consuming and labor-intensive process. It requires a ton of expertise to detect which claims actually have recovery potential. Um, and carriers are generally very time constrained uh, and resource constrained. Um, they can't devote a lot of resources in subrogating files and pursuing recovery. And, and as a result, they have to set thresholds below which they may not even pursue. Um, and so they're dealing also with um, what we've heard in the previous panel, a lot of unstructured data. Um, there's a need for rich, rich domain knowledge particularly jurisdictional and regional knowledge of rules and statutory type of um, like regulatory rules. Um, and generally, there's just un a lot of unspoken heuristics on what actually has recovery potential. And so what we solve for is, is a, a several things. The first is dealing with that unstructured data through natural language processing. The second is um, applying predictive models to identify what has true potential. Um, and then the third piece is is really um, kind of an automation um, of the actual workflow so that we can get from through one click all the way to a settlement with the uh, the adverse carrier. Um, the results have been pretty astounding. Um, simply just by looking at missed opportunities, for example, um, the stuff that's completely been ignored, um, we've been able to identify a significant uplift uh, just in terms of the number of claims with recovery potential. I may as well just share some kind of cleanse metrics here around a 20% uplift in, in dollar net recovery potential we've been able to find for our customers. And uh, we're really proud of the traction that we've been getting um, through Lloyd's Labs and through our involvement with uh, FinTech Innovation Lab in the U.S. 
Uh, we're working with a, a good number of carriers, at least eight of them. Um, and out of 1,400 companies, uh, we were selected as a Global Gold Award winner by Zurich in their Innovation Championship. Uh, we just announced that Root um, selected us as their strategic subrogation platform. So, you know, real-world results and a ton of uh, adoption. We always like hearing from people who've got real clients, again, hopefully spending real money with you. And, sure. and how did, from a practical point of view, I'm assuming, again, this doesn't have to be an all or nothing. People would presumably start working with you and select a line of business or something to sort of test it out, and, and presumably some are better than others at doing this. We learned the hard way that you shouldn't be delivering an all or nothing platform, right? Because carriers will have varying degrees of maturity in their subrogation processes. So step one, pick um, a line of business that you want to focus on. Um, auto and property, you know, are the usual suspects, but um, we, we do operate in work comp as well. Um, the second step is uh, to scope it out um, properly in terms of the kind of data and just how far back you want us to look. Um, on your book of claims. Um, so typically we'll look at one or two years worth of claim data. Third step is, is to put us to the test. And, um, we've been very effective, um, in not only detection, but also on the efficiency piece. So I'll give you a real world example. Um, prior to SafeKeep, one of our customers had to look at as many as 30 claims in order to get to one true positive. With SafeKeep, we were able to bring that down to two to three. So it's orders of magnitude better, um, almost a, a factor of 10 difference uh, in efficiency. Um, and so driving to those quick wins, identifying a part of your claims process um, in, in a line of business in a, a, a specific step within the subrogation process um, is, is the way to, to kind of get into a pilot. And more importantly, is just measure the outcome. We actually have created our own recovery services unit where we will actually collect the checks for you. How are you finding the sort of nasty, not that's the wrong word, complicated data that's coming through from Lloyd's for these you know, complicated risks that Colin was talking about? Are you able to apply your techniques and analytics to, to those as well as you can on some of the more sort of you know, homogenous types of uh, lines of business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, there, there are a number of problems that we face um, with the data that we get. The first is um, even just basic blocking and tackling, deduping records. We work with customers where they'll have 20,000 rows of one insured. <laughs> so um, entity resolution is absolutely important. Um, you kind of bring it down to a single view of that insured. Um, second piece is ex- um, entity extraction from um, um, notes as well as unstructured documents. Um, and then uh, pushing that into a canonical model that, um, that enables our predictive models downstream to deliver the results that we need the kind of data that we get. Sometimes it's really clean and we can get it through API. Other times it's just, you know, batch extract and we just, we have to do a lot of data ingestion and pre-processing before we can um, do do anything that can, you know, um, predictive. So we're prepared to work with um, any customer regardless of, um, you know, where they are in that maturity. Great. Well, before I let you go, you're going to have to explain what a canonical model is because uh, otherwise someone's going to ask. So canonical is basically a standard way of looking at the world and a standard way of organizing data. Um, and a typical problem in insurance is every carrier has their own way of looking at the world of claims, for example. Uh, therefore, they will have their own databases and the way they're designed and, the, and what are known as data schemas. 
Our final panellist was Robert Hogarth, former lawyer and co-founder of Settle Index. Robert, we're going to be really interested in finding out what you're doing with Settle Index. I really like what you're doing because uh, it's just one of these problems that when you explain it, it's, it's and I think, why hasn't someone done this before? And it does seem to take so much aggravation and cost out of the system. So you're, you're helping reduce the legal costs from the settlement and you've put some technology behind it. You've had this problem or seen this problem yourself. Can you explain a bit about what you're doing with uh, with Settle Index? Generally, we're talking about disputes and particularly litigated disputes. And that is obviously a big part of insurers' businesses, particularly in the liabilities area. And we reckon about 95% of all disputes eventually settle. And that the cue is in the word eventually because they take far too long to reach that point. And um, we reckon... And, and this is one of the things we're exploring, but I'm tending to get confirmation. That probably it costs about a pound for insurers to pay a pound in a claim. I.e. a pound goes to lawyers and a pound goes to the victim, if you like. And, and so any saving, if you can make a significant productivity improvement on what you spend on lawyers, it doubles in effect because you spend every pound you spend with your lawyers slowing things up is another pound the claimant's lawyers spend on the other side. So there is a big saving to be made on legal fees. Our solution doesn't cut lawyers out, but it harnesses their skills and experience and helps them to be much more efficient. Our approach, which is based on expected value, uh, there was a paper published in 1738 by Daniel Bernoulli, and it seems to have actually completely escaped both the insurance market and the legal market for 300 years. When you talk about go to settlement, you basically say 95% get settled out of court. So your point being, if you could do this much more efficiently through uh, the tool you're offering, essentially, then that's where all the costs can be saved. The concept seems very clear, but can you just talk a little bit about how it works in practice if you've got a claim that's being disputed? So and this is a tool for calculating. So, so just to go back to the legal market, most lawyers don't do this very well, if at all, and they don't do it consistently. So we are providing a framework to do expected value calculations in litigation in a way that captures the data and means you get very quickly a very rich source of data about disputes. And one of the things we've found working in the lab is, you know, we've asked for data and, and, and every time we ask, we realize it doesn't exist. You can't, you can't find it. So almost one of the first things you need to do is start to capture it. And that's what this does. It helps lawyers to model things correctly. And how do you get the data? Because I, I know when I've been involved looking at this in the past, a lot of these cases that are settled, the data is not public knowledge. So I mean, basically what you're building is a sort of forecasting tool for, for yeah. lawyers to decide well, what, you know, what's the likelihood of settlement and therefore can they get there early. But how, yeah, how do you populate the model with, with data? Well, you populate it by using it. So at the moment, most of the tech solutions in claims are based on published data, of which we're talking about 5%. And whereas we're trying to capture the 95% that is behind the screen, users will be able to benchmark themselves against everyone else if, if they choose to do that. And so, so it would very quickly build up. And, and our proposal is that insurers put all their litigated claims within a class of business or within their whole business through the system. And within a few years, you'd have a lot of data that simply doesn't exist at the moment. What are the typical costs of claims? How long do they take to settle? And we also have some proprietary ratios so we can literally compare one claim with another on a standard index and say uh, whether a claim has been efficiently dealt with or not. 
it's a bit like what we were touching on earlier with the question about shared claims data. There are examples across insurance. There's one with um, motor claims, there's one with losses from natural catastrophes where insurers are pooling data. So I guess the trick for you is obviously going to anonymize it, but can you get people to join the party and share the data? I think they will. By analogy, in the legal market for years now, there's been opportunity. Lawyers can feed their data into uh, data providers who then tell them how they're doing compared with other firms. They, they love it. Uh, but it is anonymous. You just, it just says you're doing this well against or what the typical predictions are. How's the experience at Lloyd's Lab going? The fantastic thing has been having we, we've got five mentor syndicates and, and, and all of them are, have been really helpful. For comparison, we're, we're quite close to doing a formal trial with uh, a tariff company and we've been through layers and layers of obstacles and people and we've, we've got we've got the thing signed up and we're about to start on that but with Lloyd's Lab we sort of got through all of that in about two weeks with five syndicates so it's it's a fantastic uh, opportunity yeah and before somebody asks what is a tariff company I think it's the way Lloyd's refer to people who aren't in Lloyd's but of course most tariff companies have syndicates now but that's always what it was they were the companies that did insurance that weren't part of Lloyd's Excellent. Well, good. And um, are you able to share the names of those companies yet, or is that something we'll hear about later on? Beasley, Apollo, Liberty, uh, Cincinnati and Chaucer. They've all been big supporters of the lab, I know, along the way. How long has the company been going for? Is it, is it fairly, fairly new? Uh, I would say uh, we, we've been writing the software for about 15 months, and we modelled it all in Excel for about a year before that. So we built it in Excel and now we've rebuilt it. It's now way beyond where we got to in Excel. Yeah. So, Colin, it'd just be useful to get you know, your sort of synthesis from what we've heard. A lot of interesting perspectives on this, you know, address a lot of the things you were thinking about. But is there any theme coming through from this that we haven't already talked, spoken about that you think is important to be aware of in what you're looking for? What you've heard is an illustration of the variety of solutions that just within three businesses that can be presented within a you know an innovation type concept now it doesn't need to stop there um there are a whole host of things that help uh, the market and natural kind of language understanding and, and turning that into ai so that people can easily make decisions is is really the, the trick i think to, to some of this so if you're thinking about what this means from a Lloyd's market point of view. If I'm the, the, the Nirvana for me is if I get presented with a major fire loss um, in Texas somewhere. Actually, the information comes in immediately, and it can it can be summarised really quickly. I'm seeing satellite imagery of what it is that's going on. I've got the, the contact details of the risk manager and all of the experts that I need to to use, and I can get them onto a, an automatic conference call. Um, you know, that gets summarized very quickly so I can take it circulate it around the market and everybody knows that's involved in, in the risk, what it is that's, that's going on and can help with that decision making. And I get to know who's handled those type of claims within the market before so I can lean on their expertise because that's the way that things get done within, within the Lloyd's market. And then it's on to how does that information get summarized for everybody internally, whether it's actuaries or underwriters as far as data is concerned. Our reinsurers were likely to be involved. So there's a whole host of things that happen in the claims process that can be simplified. If you're involved in claims at all or are considering getting involved in claims, then I strongly recommend hitting rewind and listening to that again, or better still, go to www.instec.london and read the write-up. There is some fantastic information on there about a major use case for Lloyds and actually probably any major insurer around the world. 
I wrapped up our discussion by asking Ed Gaze how he feels about this cohort he's just had and what is happening next at the Lloyd's Lab. Applications for cohort seven have now closed, but look out for future cohorts that may be coming later this year. Well, it's been really interesting and, and I'm glad we've got such a diverse set of clean startups and uh, hopefully that inspired people who are thinking of applying to apply because we're, we're doing a lot of different things uh, at Lloyd's. So Lloyd'sLab.com. If you've got any questions, you can come to us. Um, but yeah, we're just really keen on finding insurtech talent, partnering up with Lloyd's Market and, and hopefully making good stuff happen. Um, so look forward to seeing more of you. Thanks to Ed and the Lloyd's Lab for their support for this event. If you're interested in learning more about what we're up to at Instech London, you can find everything you need on our website, www.instech.london, or you can track us down on LinkedIn, or you can contact me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn, or hello at instech.london. Now, we have our first live events in London, 14th of September and 11th of October. Mark your diaries, will be on the website soon. And Instech on tour will be in California on 18th of November. So, hope to see you in person somewhere around the world soon. Bye for now.